Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, everyone. It's Caroline from G-Thanks Just Bought It, reminding you that in between episodes, you can find me on Instagram at G-Thanks Just Bought It Pod. You can find products that don't make it onto the episodes and recommendations from listeners like you. So before you start this episode, give it a follow and say hi in the comments. And for a full list of every product we featured on G-Thanks, visit gthanksjustboughtit.com slash episodes. See you there. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another week of G Thanks Just Bought It, the podcast where we talk about what we just bought and what you might need to buy next. It's the last episode before Christmas and New Year's, which both fall on Fridays this year. So we have something um, fun planned, I think, for both. Maybe Christmas will be a little bit of a rerun. New Year's might be some something special. I haven't figured it out yet. But this is like, this is capping off a year of G Thanks Just Bought It um, with a very special guest, Stephanie McNeil. You know her on Instagram. She keeps track of all of the influencers, what they're up to, what they're doing. Ask her about loop giveaways. She is a <laughs> internet culture reporter and editor at BuzzFeed. She's my former colleague. She's my friend. Um, we were just talking about how we ran into each other on the Upper West Side about a year ago, and I said, you need to come on the show and here we are a year later. Steph, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here and congrats on the show. It's been so fun to watch you grow this community. It's so awesome. Thank a you. Good thing that's come out of 2020. Oh, thank you cool. so much. That's so nice to hear. I'm so happy that you're here. Um, and I'm so happy that you do the work that you do, because if there's one thing I just don't have bandwidth for in 2020, it's keeping track of the influencers. But if there's one thing I wish I had bandwidth for in 2020, it's keeping track of the influencers. So I'm happy that's on your to-do list every day. I think the first time, I mean, you and I have known each other for years now, but I think the first time I started being like, I get my news from Steph was <laughs> in the beginning of quarantine when Ariel Charnas of something Navy like documented like <laughs> documented her COVID testing because she like knew a doctor in the Hamptons who like got her a test and this was like March 20th so you know we know more now but I think like at the time it was just so you know, the world was like on fire. And then you were already seeing these like influencer videos of people being like, hey, guys, I just got a rapid COVID test so I could go to the Hamptons with my family. And I was like, whoa, like my head was spinning. You covered it. I remember her husband did this like very weird apology PR Instagram, yes. <laughs> Instagram thing. But at that moment, I thought, I don't have a ton of room in my brain to make sense of this. And I'm so happy that's your job. So how has this year been for you kind of reporting on the front lines of influencer culture in what has been the probably most the weirdest and also like biggest reckoning for influencers, I think, in influencer in influencer history? It's been so interesting. I think obviously there's been a lot of things that have been hard about this year and I definitely didn't expect all of this to happen. And I think, but I think I'm like, in the terms of my job and what I cover, it has been extremely interesting, fascinating and fruitful. Um, just because of what you said, the interesting thing about the aerial situation was it was almost like watching a slow motion car crash where like, at the beginning, I actually was really impressed and really interested in I guess her COVID journey, I guess is a weird thing to say. Because to be honest, like you said, it was I think in mid March or early April. And I, I didn't know anyone that had had COVID. I had never even seen someone get a test. You know, obviously, we've seen everything happen now. And you've seen it on the news or on the internet a million times. But I thought it was actually really interesting how she was showing her journey. And then she just botched it so spectacularly, because <laughs> she didn't follow any of the guidelines. 
She went to the Hamptons when it was a really big news story in the New York area that all of the people in the Hamptons really didn't want people from New York coming and she had COVID and she was going. And so it was, it was really interesting to watch like what could have been a really interesting thing for her and a really interesting way for her to connect to her followers and provide information. She did actually a really interesting um, Instagram live with a doctor uh, early on in her diagnosis that was actually really good. I was really impressed by it. And I was like, wow, this is really providing good information for people. Um, And then she just like flushed it all down the toilet and just continued to make misstep after misstep. Um, But I think Influencer culture has had a huge reckoning this year that has been really, really, really interesting to watch in terms of, you know, there have been a lot of conversations about privilege and who gets what and who suffers in a time of chaos. And obviously the Black Lives Matter movement. And we saw a lot of influencers stumble in their addressing of that. And I think in many ways it was kind of a, if influencers didn't realize they were public figures before, which they definitely should have, but I think some of them still kind of clung to the belief that they could kind of post what they want and no one should care. Mm -hmm. They definitely don't think that anymore. And I, it's been really interesting to watch which ones have taken that responsibility and done it thoughtfully and ran with it and been able to grow their platforms and which have completely botched it. um, Mm -hmm. And then just kind of destroyed any goodwill they had. I mean, one of the first influencers who really got a lot of backlash during COVID was Naomi Davis, um, Love Taza. And it was really, really interesting to watch because this is someone who, if you're not familiar with her, has been blogging for over a decade, has, you know, I think over 500,000 followers on Instagram and her whole entire family's income was based on her blogging career. And Sorry, that's my dad. I don't know if you can hear. <laughs> it's okay. Cats are welcome on the show. Mine always show. Mine always show up. Um, but so she was someone who expected to have, I feel like, complete autonomy and privacy in her private life, even though her job and her career and how she, her whole family was supporting themselves was her private life. Mm-hmm. And she chose to flee New York in an RV in the middle of the night, right before the city lockdown. And that is so funny. So much backlash for it. And her response to it basically was like, Hey, this is my life and I can do what I want. And no one should be able to say like, I made this choice for my family and my mental health. And like, that shouldn't affect my career. And I think that was almost a watershed moment where people were like, no, like if you make your career based on your life and your influence, you can't have to use that influence responsibly. Um, and so yes. that was really, really interesting to me. And that has just kind of kept happening over and over and over with everything you're seeing this year with Black Lives Matter and the election. Yeah. Um, so that's been really fascinating to watch. Remind me, did did Love Taza tell people that they left or did people find out? Like, did she try to keep that from her community or did she like post about it and not realize that people would be like, uh, what the F? The second one. Okay. She posted this photo. Um like bird's eye view of them leaving in the RV that I think was supposed to be like artistic. And basically, I don't know, I don't want to like go way too much on this rabbit hole. But then like we found out that her husband already had a job in Arizona where they were driving the RV too. So it was like, how long was this in the works? It was just like, the PR rollout was so bad. Mm. Like she could have done it in a completely different way. And like, it was really weird. But yeah, she did announce it. I think what she thought was going to happen was people were going to be like, good for you, you know, do whatever you want. And of then course. she could turn the whole RV trip into content. Um, but that didn't happen. <laughs> right. um, so, you know, <clears throat> I mean, my opinion is always like, you know, live your life. It's really not my business. But like you said, like if your business is like if you are going to be like, hey, I made this like really irresponsible decision. And then on the next slide, be like, swipe up like and use my code and like buy this thing. And like if you've made your whole mm-hmm. entire business about, you know, us like, you know, building community and making people feel like they're your friend and making people feel like they know you. And then all of a sudden, when it's convenient for you, you want to turn around and be like, how dare you like have an opinion about what I do? Um, when that's been your whole business, that is, yeah, that is really, really interesting. Do you think there have been any influencers who have like come out of this, like 
I don't know. Do you think there's any influencers who did this the right way? So many. Yeah. Yeah, So many. I think one of the biggest things in my job that I try to do is I really take this industry seriously. Like I take the influencer industry seriously. It's a huge, it's a billion dollar industry. And I feel like everyone just kind of loves to just make fun of it or, you know, act like it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I try to do is cover the industry with nuance and also recognize who is doing well and who is doing poorly. Mm -hmm. So I think there are, I think the, the thought process that every single influencer is just acting like an idiot during this entire time is completely inaccurate. And I mm-hmm. think that like probably comes from the way places like the New York post cover it, where they, you know, they just do cover like all of these scandals and they don't really cover the stuff in between. Yes. Um, so, I mean, there's been so many, um, Grace Atwood is one who I've talked to a lot throughout the pandemic mm-hmm. and interviewed for a few different stories. Um, she's been really good and provided some great insight, um, for me, for my articles. Um, Carly at, Carly the Prepster. I think she just changed her blog name, but I would have to double check that. But she was Carly the Prepster for years. She's done a really great job. Um, I interviewed a couple of influencers about how their um, how they were integrating their political beliefs into their uh, platforms mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago, um, and I got some really good insight from them. So I think, yeah, and I think. There, I mean, I can't even name like that many off the top of my head because there's been so many. I think there's a lot that really have gotten more influence and I feel like are more confident in their brands than ever before and are really doing good work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I think, yeah, I think there's, I think there's just as many people who have really been using 2020 to reshape and grow their brand in a way that I think is really interesting and cool as there have been people that have completely torpedoed their brand. I think it's just more, it's more fun to gossip about the people who just totally. have been like, you know, messing up. So yeah, I think in the case of grace in the case of, cause grace was on the show a few weeks ago. Um, Carly, I know I followed for a long time. I mean, these are two people also who, you know, grace just traveled and is doing like six weeks in Charleston right now. And that's like, she's been very transparent about that, but she's still traveling, you know, during the pandemic. And I know some people were kind of like, why are you doing this? And I know Carly got married during the pandemic and had a wedding during Mm -hmm. the pandemic. And I don't know how many people were there, but where do you think like, you know, the, how do you think that there's a, you know, where as like the, um, the influencers versus the influenced as the influenced, you know, where do we, draw the line of being like, well, yeah, I mean, she had a wedding, but, or she's traveling, but like what makes that their choice to do some of these things that I think have been kind of widely, um, condemned, like widely condemned activities, what makes their choice to do it or their choice to share it, uh, feel like they're still coming out on top. That's a good question. Um, I think with, I think with Carly, you know, she did have a wedding, but it was, I think under like 10 people and it was outside. So, I mean, I, I, I think maybe it's just being transparent and being honest. I think, you know, I think in the pandemic, we've all had to, you know, make decisions like, you know, I know Grace is going down to Charleston for six weeks to be near her family and, you know, she's quarantining and blah, blah, Mm -hmm. blah. And I think, like, obviously, that does come with a risk. But I think you have to, um, I guess, decide, you know, what risk you are willing to take. I don't know. But sure. But it comes down to I transparency think, more than I think it comes down. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it comes down to transparency. I think it comes down to you have to treat your blog and your Instagram account the same way you would any other business if you're going to make money off of it. And mm-hmm. that comes with taking criticism like I'm not I don't think any influencer has been perfect through this pandemic I don't even I don't think I've been perfect I don't yeah. think anyone no no we've all pandemic. had we've all taken calculated risks exactly and I think where where people end up becoming stronger and having more trust within their community versus end up coming off like a jerk is when they are able to take criticism and they are able to respond to it and apologize or explain or say, you know what, this is a decision that I made and I, you know, I messed up or something like that, Mm -hmm. you know, especially during a lot. 
I think during the Black Lives Matter stuff, there was a huge difference between the people who could you could tell really did sit and think um, and say, you know, I haven't been as inclusive in my work as I should have been. You know, when I go on blogger trips, I don't ask, like, um, is there any people of color on the trip? Stuff like that. Um, and I think one thing that influencers get a lot of hate for, which I think is actually pretty warranted, is a lot of them cannot accept any criticism at all. And I think you can, yeah. like, the same thing, like, you can't make your private life part of your job and then complain when people comment on it. You also can't make, you also can't create your own brand, but not to be able to take any sort of criticism for it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, we all definitely. get criticism for our jobs and we all, you know, have to respond to feedback and we all have to, you right. know, mess up when we make a mistake. And I think, I think the people that are able to run their blog with that kind of nuance are the ones that have come out on top. I think at the end of the day with influencers, the biggest thing that you can have to be a successful influencer is the trust of your community. Mm -hmm. And I think when you try to hide something or you lie or you come out really defensive when you get criticized, you lose the trust. It's same is the same as a friendship. You know, if you if your friend upsets you and they come out and they think about it and they come back and they apologize, you probably will forgive them and move on. If you know they come out swinging and are really defensive and you know call right. you all haters, you probably are gonna <laughs> not want to be friends with them anymore. <laughs> when your you friends know? call so you a hater, yeah, no. Yeah. For sure. For sure. And and also just like being able to accept criticism was a huge part of of that, you know, the the racial injustice reckoning in June. And and yeah. the whole point was like, well, don't make this about you. Don't make this about your defenses like this isn't about how you feel as, you know, a white woman or how you feel as someone who's really privileged in this space. And I think a lot of right people immediately like, you know, cast over that fact. I think what was so crazy about June though, too, but because it was so perfunctory and like automatic and like on autopilot that like all these brands were like posting the black square and then like blah, blah, blah. blah. And then mm -hmm. this, I felt like this was the first time that, and not even just in the influencer space, but just in the, you know, the corporate America of, of people of marginalized communities who have worked for these people or these companies and really feeling brave enough to be like, like F your black square. You know, I think a lot of people weren't expecting yeah. to be called out, but it was really, I mean, it was like a whack-a-mole game back in June of like, oh, here's this company who posts, you know, Black Lives Matter, like, you know, we believe in equality and blah, blah, blah. And then you would get like all of these people who were like, actually, I worked for you and it was horrible. And this is what happened mm -hmm. to me. And it's like, wow, like when you post that kind of stuff, you need to be ready to hear the feedback and there there was such a tone deafness in that that was really interesting I mean that was a wild month of watching that people was, yeah. just fall down um at, at and finally be called out I mean it was really it was really interesting um yeah I mean yeah I, feel, and I think go ahead I think you saw that too in the influencer space as well because I think there were you know, at the end of the day, like they are kind of like running little mini businesses. And I think there were people who put up the back black square, but couldn't take the heat and couldn't totally. like sit back and realize how much they had contributed to the problem. And then there were people who, you know, really did, I feel like do a good job of listening and learning. And, um, you know, I, I wrote a really interesting piece right after all of that happened with a couple of black influencers. And I was just really interested in their take and how they felt like it kind of went from, you know, people really weren't giving them opportunities and people really weren't, um, you know, like propping them up. Like one of them told me that there were people, big, you know, white influencers who had huge followings, who they had been messaging back and forth with for years, but who had never reposted them, who had never like you know, done a thing, you know, mm -hmm. like a lot of influencers was like, go check out my friend's post. You know, they never did that with them. Right. And then all of a sudden after June, it was constant. And it, and it was like, obviously it was good for them financially and for their business, but it also was really bittersweet and really sad in many ways for them. We're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. I mean, Steph and I can talk about this forever, but we're, we're going to take a quick break. <laughs> 
Okay, we're back. I, I was going to say, before we talk about what you brought to the show, you know, you and I have always fought, like, there are, there are influencers I, I, I don't want to say hate follow, but I guess hate follow oh, is really yeah. the only word I have. Like, I stopped following them for a while, but you posted about them the other day on your feed, and I remembered them, the, Le, the LeBrant fam. Oh, God. Uh, I, I became very transfixed by them when I was at BuzzFeed we worked there together and and I was obsessed with like watching their videos because I was so like dumbfounded by like how they operate and like those are the that's a whole other level of influencer to me like these are people who have made huge names for themselves in the like young impressionable teen space you know like these yeah. are this is that's really difficult these are people of hundreds of millions of views on videos and have done videos that are like oh like we told our daughter that like the dog died like those are like the headlines that they use like our house is on fire and then they'll like put up some photoshop picture of a house and then like they'll be standing in front of it being like ah, like with their mouths like open wide and those are the things that those are like that's the space that I find most interesting too because as adults I think we can make our own calculated decisions about who we want to follow and who we believe and who we trust you know we have fully formed brains uh you know we're we are living in the world we are bill paying insurance paying right adults but but these people scare me because the people who are watching their videos in large part are 11 year olds who think that this is like yeah. marriage goals and mom goals and kid goals and money goals and and they don't have that context um or life experience to like those people are influencers but their their responsibility i believe is just so much greater than say like a Grace Atwood or a even like Love Taza, even Ariel Tarnas, who these people's audiences are adults. Um, right. And right. And then you look at the like, you know, I don't know, even like a even like a Rachel Parcell type. I feel like the, there's like a lot of young. I mean, this, there's a, a very impressionable generation under us who was really influenced by these people. And those are the people who I think have like the most responsibility. And those are the people who I think are like not wreck. They're not having the reckoning that I wanted them to have this year. Totally. I think you're a hundred percent right. I honestly, I do not know what it's going to take for YouTubers to get some sort of reckoning because we have seen them do essentially some of the most horrible things I think you could do on the internet and yet they, it just rolls off their back. And oh, I think it's absolutely. And I, I'm talking like very generally about like almost every YouTuber. I think I make it kind of clear on my Instagram that I really don't like YouTube and I don't really like the culture there. Um, yep. but yeah, it, for whatever reason, I would say like an Instagram influencer slash blogger does have a much older audience um, than a YouTuber. Like most of the family YouTubers, like you said, like the brands, their audience is like children, yep. which is just extremely weird. And I feel like should be sitting in like some sort of sociology class or something. Totally. But I, I would love for them to get canceled. Like I, <laughs> and it's like, it's really interesting to you because you see on, um, like TikTok, I feel like it's a much more similar culture to YouTube than it is to Instagram. And you see like with someone like Charlie D'Amelio, mm -hmm. the majority of her friends are young or fans are young girls. Totally. You know, teenagers her age are not fans of hers. And I find that really fascinating. Um, and I don't know why that is. Um, I, when I first started covering this kind of stuff at BuzzFeed, I did like this really long deep dive that ultimately never really got anywhere in terms of the story. But I always think about it on this family um, this like YouTuber family and they were called, it's kind of like an offensive name to even say, but they were called the Shaytards. Oh, and you can like extrapolate what they meant from that. I so kind of like, remember them. I'm Googling them right now. That sounds so familiar. Maybe because I heard that name and was like, yikes. Um, yeah, I, I believe the parents are divorced now. So this was probably like in 2014 or something. Oh yeah. Shay Carl. Yeah, and, and Colette. Colette. And Colette. And like they them. had, I don't know, like five or six kids or something. Um, and for some reason, I just got really obsessed with them because it was the same sort of content where 
lots of pranking the children. Um, one of the sons was, you know, a little overweight and there was a lot of jokes at his expense, which were just horrible. Um, and one of the things that I found that was just so incredibly horrifying to me was there was pages and pages of fan fiction on Wattpad about their like five and six year old daughters written by other children it seemed yeah and it was like it was it wasn't there wasn't anything overtly like horrible about it like it was basically like what it seemed to me was like children who didn't have great home lives like writing fan fiction about like kids with better home lives which is like horribly depressing in and of Mm, itself yeah but just like the oh god it's it's just so creepy like the whole idea of it is so creepy the idea that like you know people are writing fan fiction about your life as when you're in elementary school is so creepy and And you're not even aware of it yeah I mean like a five-year-old doesn't know that that's happening a five-year-old's just gonna turn 15 one day and be like wait I'm googling myself and like all this weird shit's coming up um, yeah. And I mean, the same thing with, um, you know, Everly, the LeBrand's daughter. Right. You know, there are people who there are children who run like fan, fan accounts, fan for, accounts her. for her. Yeah. The the thing about the LeBrand's that I find so fascinating is that, you know, they have this really um, if you guys don't know who they are, like I really d- encourage you to think long and hard before you <laughs> before you dive in, because it's kind of addicting. But the thing about them is that they they don't curse and so they you know there's like it's wholesome it's wholesome by the standards that I think a lot of parents when they're making rules about what their kids can and cannot do on the internet the LeBrant fam you know YouTube channel would be considered sort of like font like you know watching like all that when we're like 10 years old you know it's like kind of it's just like funny and like silly but like ultimately not harmful but there are things that they do on their channel and like I said earlier like one of them was like you know they have those thumbnail pictures on the videos and it's like their six-year-old daughter like sobbing and it's like we had to tell Everly that we gave the dog away dot 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 and it's like that kind of stuff I don't know if their daughter was in on the joke but like an entire video of I don't think she was an entire video where the parents are like punking their six-year-old by saying that like hey the dog that you love so much like uh, we gave it away to someone else and then they film her crying and then they put it up for views is like something's wrong like that's oh, so that, I mean, that wrong video was, that video was horrifying they had a like, lot it, of backlash it, for that they did yeah I, I wrote about it at the time and they did get a lot of backlash for it but nothing sticks that's what I don't understand about YouTube I um, you know I've talked a lot about this during the whole like a stopper situation oh, earlier this God. year. Yeah. Do you want to remind um, people what is, happened? If yeah. I don't remember. Which you're unfamiliar. Um, a similar YouTuber family with similar horrible content um, had adopted a baby from China a couple of years ago and had used him for content in the same horrible ways and then had announced uh in may that they had he had been vanished from their account for yeah, he a while just, like, disappeared he just disappeared he's i think five now mm-hmm. and um they announced that he had been given to a new family and they which called it rehoming which yeah. is what you'd say when a pet doesn't work out in your house like you yeah. don't rehome a child the whole thing was so gross it remains. It was gross. horrifying. It was horrifying. It was horrifying. And so, you know, I I've been wondering for a while when YouTube slash like America is going to pass some sort of law protecting children on YouTube specifically. Mm. But I think it should extend to it should extend to um, Instagram as well. But there should be some sort of law protecting the assets of children from the money they make on YouTube and protecting their privacy like you know before like the 1920s or 1930s in hollywood there was no law protecting children um, right children labor laws but like for acting and totally right so there's a law called the coogan law which basically says you know it makes all of the restrictions where kids can only film a certain amount of hours a day and it also you know provides that they 
assets are saved in a certain way. Um, and I think something like that should happen for YouTube. California tried to do it a couple of years ago and it didn't really get anywhere. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm hoping maybe the Microsoft situation will help. They haven't come back, come back to their main channel yet, but wow. they're still making a lot of money off of, of YouTube because the husband has a channel where he um, re, I don't know what it's called, refurbishes cars. Yeah. Um, and that channel has over a million followers. He's been posting it to it constantly, making a ton of money off of it. So really they haven't had any consequences, which if you were as angry about that story as I was, and I know a lot of people were, um, maybe I would encourage you to do whatever tweet Instagram about that because I do all the time. And you know, yeah. The more word is out that he's still making money off YouTube. It's wild. It's good. I want to do. I wanted. I want to give a shout to my favorite, um, long time. Now they're now YouTubers that they were originally bloggers, but Sherry and John Petersick of Young House Love are yeah. so good. And I want to say, I love them. That when they were just starting out, you saw a lot of their two kids. Their two kids were everywhere, and as their kids started to grow up, their they kids were done. they took them off the feed, and you only see the backs of their heads right now. Sometimes you see like a shadow or a silhouette, and you know their whole entire account is is you know. Uh, gutting and renovating homes and decorating and painting on all the DIY. They were like the original DIYers. They have a bunch of books. They have like a line at Target. They're amazing. But what I respect about them the most is that, you know, kids grow up. Kids aren't going to be cute babies forever. Um, mm-hmm. Their kids, either either they made the decision for their kids or their kids said, we don't want to do, we don't want to be on camera anymore. We don't want to like, don't take pictures. And I'm, I'm sure it probably was like a little bit of both. Um, And since then, you know, they just take their kids off and like that's not how they make money. They make money off of doing their job, which is to, you know, buy and decorate Mm -hmm. houses. And I kind of love that for them because I think that that's a lot. That's a much harder way to make a living than just putting up videos of your kids. Um, and I, and I understand that, you know, like, I, like, like we were talking before, like, yeah, it's your life, it's your family, but then don't be surprised. I don't know. Like I, no. I've been in therapy my whole life for, for a lot smaller offenses than being <laughs> blasted yeah, totally. to the internet totally. for my entire childhood, which I imagining a- it, my 13 year old self as like, uh, inadvertent, star of my parents youtube channel just makes my my blood like run cold i can't even imagine as a very sensitive child i uh yeah i I would have died former very sensitive child now very sensitive at all exactly Um, exactly no they are they are such a great example and i think one of the reasons why i just care so much about this industry is because of people like them who I'm not saying that they haven't had missteps. Of course, every single person on the internet has had a misstep, but I think they are such a great example of someone who's been able to grow this insanely successful business from a blog to what they've done over the past decade has been incredible. And I think you're right. I think taking the kids off the blog was a great step they made. And they made it, I think like six years ago. I haven't seen the kids on the blog in a long time. I always want to um, because I, fe- I felt, I, I felt attached to them I as know. children. I'm like, Oh, they're so cute. Well, and they take them off. And then, you know, at first you, you know, as a viewer, I'm not saying I felt this way, but I can understand this feeling of like, how dare you take them away? Like I liked watching. Cause like, I loved watching your family and like, you're taking, but like, you are not their friend. You're not, you, they don't know you, you know, you don't, you yeah. don't, have the right to anything that they don't want to show you. Um, and I, yeah. yeah, I just really appreciate that. And I still follow them because I think their houses are amazing and beautiful. And I, I just sometimes watch and get mad that I don't have that kind of, that, that kind of home decor talent. We're going to take one more quick break. And then Steph, I can't wait to see what you brought to the show. I feel like I've been waiting a year for this. We will be right back. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Okay, we're back. Steph, what'd you bring? Okay, so I know that we talked before about Trader Joe's, and I would love to talk about Trader Joe's. Yes. But I thought that I would bring something along, like, the lines of what I do for work. So I'm going to suggest to you some Amazon fashion finds. Okay. That I – so, okay, so I have two things for you. Okay. The first are, this is something that I never would have bought in if not for quarantine plus influencers. But I'm here to tell you that influencers are right about bike shorts. Yes. I, I saw them becoming a thing because, you know, at first we all wore the tie-dye sweatsuit situation, but then it got too hot for that. And I was like, what is my quarantine uniform going to be, Yes. you know, when it's 90 degrees outside? And everyone's wearing the bike shorts. And this is something where if like you follow any fashion influencer, you know what I mean. Everyone was wearing them. And so I kind of hemmed and hawed about it. And then I went and got like these really cheap bike shorts on Amazon. And I'm obsessed with them. I think I have like four pairs now. Nice. I love Here, that. I'll send them to you. Yeah. What's the, chat. what's the brand? So it's Lou Keith. I don't know. Okay, I don't I'm know if this is right a good now. brand or not. But they're amazing. Like the perfect I love that. work from home uniform. You can my current vibe is big sweatshirt, bike shorts, and like flippers. I was gonna say if you put like a chunky Fila sneaker, you'd be doing like a Princess Diana in nineteen ninety-five. I do kind of feel like Princess Di. Yeah. Um, I am very predictable. So we watched The Crown. Then I listened to the four-part You're Wrong About Princess Di series. So good. Um, another podcast. If you guys don't listen, you definitely should. Um, and yeah, I'm feeling very 90s vibe. But the best thing about this, and this isn't going to sound absolutely absurd, but stick with me. You know, there are some days where like you get out of the shower and you don't want to put on leggings just because they're like, so much yeah you have to like pull so, them onto your body yeah, yes exactly exactly so these and so also back when I was like first doing these I saw everyone being like oh you need to buy the aloe yoga bike short and so and then I was like looking them up and they were like so popular they were like out of stock yeah because, a lot of like, things were, were like back ordered for months so this is my quote unquote dupe. I have no idea. I don't have owl yoga bike shorts, but I'm telling you these are $18 each. They come in multiple colors. I have leopard. I have camo. I have black. Wow. They have pockets to hide your, to put your phone in, which if you're running back up and downstairs trying to take calls like I am all day, mm-hmm. um, because my husband is also working from home. Um, they are perfect for like stacking, stashing your phone in. It's just great. And do it's they run? Like, do I they run true to size? Yeah. Okay. As far as I can tell, I mean, they're like small, medium, large. Um, but like, do I you feel sometimes? Yeah, I feel like so. I have this Amazon bathing suit that I love, and I don't know if you know about the the Amazon overalls that we've dubbed the Garden Witch overalls. Yes, that, yes. Um, yeah. So those, I always say, you have to run. You have to run, they run real small. So you have to go up one or two sizes. But do you feel like you ordered the size you would order from like an aloe yoga type? Totally. Place? Okay, yeah. cool. So I'm, cause I'm literally putting them in my cart right now. So I just need to know. Um, I'm so, yeah, you're so right about leggings. Like sometimes on just like a humid day, a legging is yes. like too much. Like the compression of a legging, not into it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like, they're just like so perfect for working from home because like I've like, you know, I'm in a phase of my job right now. Like I know like kind of like ebbs and flows where I'm for some reason having to do a lot of like face-to-face meetings. Mm. And 
So you can do a sweater on top and these on the bottom. Um, you know, you can kind of adjust your temperature throughout the day. Like you can wear, you can put a blanket on you and then when you get kind of hot, you can like kick yeah. it off, whatever. Yeah, Princess Di like, was really on to something. Yeah, she like, I know. she got it. And they they do come in. I love a leopard. I mean, I think leopard is neutral. So I'm definitely going to order the leopard. I'm going to order like two black. So like one can be in the wash. But I mean, I haven't put on jeans in like a year. Like I've been living in these like old Navy jo- lounge joggers and sweatshirts and right now I'm like in a pajama jumpsuit um but I mean I'm never really I mean when I'm on the phone it's for it's for like podcast episodes and, it, and no one requires me to like look at nice at all so like I, there has been no even attempt um but I don't want even if we get vaccinated and go back into the world I don't want to wear pants anymore like it's, yeah I feel it's it's leggings bike shorts or bust for me I'm not doing jeans yeah. <laughs> jeans are done we're done with jeans Totally. And I, I'm very proud of this pick as well, because I feel like after study, like the me- the student has become the master. Yes. Like I've been watching people suggest Amazon dupes to me for, I don't know, seven years. And I just came up with my own. So yeah. I'm very proud of myself. Congratulations. I have no affiliate, I have no affiliate link. No affiliate um, link. This is a can, real loving. This is a real suggestion. I love that. Um, and then I have one more if you are into leggings. So this will be my primary and I'll give you one more as a bonus. I can't wait. Um, Please. I, I, I would love all. I want like a list of all of your Amazon fashion finds because when you when the thing about Amazon fashion that's really disturbing to me is that sometimes it is a needle in the haystack type of a situation. Oh, 100 percent. And yeah. And 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 sometimes that's more work. Than I would like to put into to find something that works. You know, sometimes you're like, oh, I'm going to buy this. Like, how how badly could this turn out? And the answer is like bad. <laughs> um, but but when you find something that really works, and for me it was this this I'll look I'll link to it, but it's the Zoffel um bathing suit that I just think is so flattering and so pretty, and it was like fourteen dollars. It fits me better than any bathing suit I've ever bought from anywhere else. When you find something like that, it makes you want to spend the time to find other things that will fit. And they're so size inclusive, which I think is a real problem in the fashion industry, especially in the athleisure totally. industry, because they like really are very into like having just a, a small body inside their clothing. So I don't know. I'm, I don't know. So, okay. Tell me your next, tell me your next recommendation. I'm literally filling my cart as we talk. So this is the first quarantine purchase that I made. And these are courtesy of fashion influencers. I don't remember who it was. Sorry, okay. whoever it was. Um, but these are, so the way they were sold to me was Lululemon Align dupes. They're CRZ Yoga, um, and they're twenty six dollars. So it's like I don't know, like twenty eight ish with tax, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I bought two pairs of these as after I realized I was going to have to be home a lot. And <laughs> they're just like really flattering leggings. The caveat I will say is I have not tried to work out in them. Um, <laughs> well, who really works out in leggings anyway? They're just pants. So these like, I mean, at least in my brain, I have kind of like my workout leggings. Exactly. And then, like, my, and then your, your yeah. shopping leggings and your Trader right, Joe's leggings. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. And like, I don't know about you guys, but I tend to like, like I like to run. So I try to invest in like running leggings that are like lined and stuff like that. So they don't fall apart. So like, do not get mad at me if you run in these or whatever and they fall apart. But yeah, these, these are, are just these for, are watching TV leggings. Right. These are working from home. You want to make your butt look good. <laughs> leggings. I do not own the Lululemon Align leggings. Um, so I can't do a direct like quote unquote dupe of them. But I will say that these are great because there's also a lot of pockets in them. They're they go like right to my ankle. Which, which is ones like, are they? Because I just googled CRZ Yoga and there's like so many options. I just put it in the um, chat for you. Oh, perfect, great. So high waisted, naked feeling. Mm, always good. High waisted, naked feeling workout leggings. I mean, look, they have almost seven thousand ratings and it's four and a half stars. And I don't even like look at anything that's under four stars. So yeah, that's promising. Yeah. And so these I did see on a swipe up. I did swipe up for them. It's a sad, <laughs> sad part of my job. No, I think I that's fine. Um, and 
I think I actually posted about these on my Instagram the other day. And someone was like, yeah, I don't really like working out in them. And I was like, that's the caveat. You can't like, I don't know about working out in them, but just for working from home, they are great. And I love anything with a phone pocket, which these also have yes. um, just because I don't know. I just feel like my phone is always 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 with me yeah so I've been I need, using I uh, a lumbar you know a fanny pack but they call it like a lumbar bag now um but I've been doing that for like going to work out if I'm going outside I'll do like a belt a belt bag um uh-huh. uh, but I would love um leggings with pockets I think that would be great I would really like that um and I think that's why these are like a good quote unquote dupe for Lululemon as well is a lot of the best Lululemon leggings have all of these pockets. You can stash a bunch of stuff in. Yep. Um, and that are like, those are like similar, but the bike shorts also have pockets. I just want to say, I will say that if you are not an Amazon fashion person, which is totally fine. I know it's not for everybody. And I know that some people don't like shopping on Amazon and that's okay too. I will I will say that another great Lululemon legging dupe is the Zella brand by Nordstrom um, and mm-hmm. Z by Zella, which is usually Nordstrom Rack. It's a little bit of the diffusion. And then sometimes they'll have the Zellas at Nordstrom Rack. They're like $40. I think they're the best workout leggings I've ever owned. Um, better than Lululemon. They are super high-waisted and they're like really, really comfortable. But the best part of them is they're so opaque. There is not even a chance anyone can see your butt um which I really appreciate because like what remember that whole thing where it was like (laughs) you would bend over in Lululemon leggings and everyone could like literally see your ass I mean like who is making them and being like yeah this is good um I think this this is great yeah I'm looking at the high-waisted the Zello the live-in high-waist leggings they're $59 they often go on sale during their annual sale I know my friend Kelly texted me during the Nordstrom Black Friday or Cyber Monday sale. And she was like, I bought six pairs because they were on sale for like 20 bucks. Um, oh, they, my God. They have about se- a little over 7,000 reviews, four and a half stars. They uh, I love them. I think that they're better than Lululemon. So if if anyone is also looking for no pockets, though, that's the bad part. Um, but they're good. I, I want good. you to get a pair, Steph, so you can tell me what you think. But I will. I, I didn't know that Z by Zella was not the same. I think um, I think it is I think it's just the diffusion brand and who who really knows. I don't really yeah. understand how Nordstrom Rack works. I just think they just I, push stuff there. I've always been curious about Zella, so maybe now that you've recommended to me, I'll check it out. I am very hard on my workout clothes just from like running yeah. and like I just, you know, whatever. I just feel like it's like I'm go I go through them so quick. So that's they're, really good to know. They're really good. They don't wear, they don't pill in the crotch, which I feel like is actually a big problem for Lululemon um Huge leggings. Problem. They pill really, really quickly. The Zellas don't fade. Like I've been very impressed. And the high and the waist is so comfortable. Like it it like feels like a compression, but it doesn't feel like you're old navy used to make an amazing high-waisted legging, and then they stopped making this specific pair and like it sucked because I would go and try to buy the same ones and based on size color and like description it was like oh yeah like these have to be the same ones they were not the same leggings and I could never find yeah it's really frustrating when I wear a high-waisted legging I want it to touch my under boob like I want yeah (laughs) I want them up I would like I'd wear them up to my neck if I could so I feel like this they do a really really good job at making a high-waisted legging um a little bit more expensive than the Amazon brand but I put my full confidence behind it um and if you have any um if you have any listeners um I would love to hear some feedback on them especially because I know the Lululemon Alliance I know from my friends who are pregnant or have been pregnant they all say that they are great for pregnancy like they don't stretch out and Mm. they like make you feel really confident because they kind of like I don't know it's just kind of like make you feel very like tucked in I guess Mm -hmm. but they're like so comfortable um but I know like if I was about to have a baby and was already stressed like I would feel stressed about buying like a hundred and ten dollar pair of leggings on top of that so I would um love to um I would love to like see if these are a good dupe for that because I know like so many people I've talked to um experience that as well yeah I want that's a really good point like like 
I want a legging that like lasts the seasons of life. Like I like yeah. if, if I could get a legging that would survive pregnancy and then if when I wasn't pregnant I could also wear the same leggings, that would be worth $110 to me. Um Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um but I just like I know like everyone's I just feel like all of my friends are pregnant right now. So like I know, everyone what has I know been, is people like, been doing during this quarantine. I know, I know. Um, I, the same. I, everyone I know is pregnant. Uh, but so I know like they've all been talking about like, oh, you have to get like all these aligns, like it's better than maternity wear. So I would love to see if people, if these also work, because okay. then I feel like people could save a lot of money. If you are out there and you wore Zella or Z by Zella leggings while pregnant and then continued to wear them postpartum, please reach out to us because I don't have any data. I don't have any personal experience on that. I only know that I've worn, I've worn my Z by Zella leggings pre and post eating big burritos and during. Um, so that's all I can bring to the table, but similarly felt good while I was eating the burrito. Um, Steph, tell everybody where they can subscribe to your newsletter, which covers the, um, internet culture in depth. You, should subscribe because it means that you don't have to like watch all these videos and these stories. Um, <laughs> that's what Steph does. That's what she gets paid for. It's a great uh, newsletter. Tell everyone where they can, they can access it. So I think the easiest way to find it would be going to my Instagram, which is at Steph E McNeil. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you can write that. I will link that. Yep. Absolutely. Complicated. Um, and I have a link in my bio. You can also go to buzzfeednews.com slash newsletters, I believe. Um, and it's there. But I would say the link in my bio is probably the easiest way to find it. It's also the link in my Twitter bio. Okay, perfect. Yeah, there's a link tree. Um, I know you, right? I mean, we could cover everything that you cover on this episode, you know, for hours. Um, Steph was at the forefront of the the Bachelorette problem this year which was that everyone knew Claire was going to go home <laughs> and Taisha was going to come in and then that's the best yeah, your sidekick <laughs> is about to, that's just a passion project for you I mean yeah, I don't even I feel like I don't even watch The Bachelorette but I I know through osmosis of my friends and the people that I follow online like I knew everything that was going to happen without even having to like read one thing on it but I love yeah. the idea that The Bachelorette is a show that's been on for you know, two decades. And now we are definitely in this time where like, if you want to find out what's going on in the show without watching it and before it airs, you can find out. And the bachelorette still continues to produce the show as if there are some really big surprises coming. Like everyone knew Claire was only going to last two episodes. Everyone knew Taisha was going to come in and replace Claire. And they pretended like, and now like the most shocking twist in bachelorette history. And it's like, yeah, we found out about this in May. Um, it's why I mean, the bachelor's refusal to change at all is really, really annoying. I think they like keep getting away with it because they are good at producing people. So they are able every year to have a good storyline that yeah. keeps people tuning in. But they act like the show is still happening in the 90s, which is just like so stupid. Like, so stu- it's knows. so insulting to the yeah. viewer. But there's just like, yeah, it's crazy. And especially like, even in normal times, it's even harder to keep things under wraps because like people take photos of the bachelor walking around with XYZ girl. And then they like post it to Twitter and then everyone knows everything. Yes. And all of the people are online. So you can go stalk their social media and running into, which seems to me just to be so easy to fix is they keep casting people. And then people find out that they have like, had really racist tweets or like posted really like other really stupid stuff on the internet and then people like rightfully call them out and then they have to like cut the person out I know like it it it, like, can, it really can only happen once before it's not interesting anymore. Like I don't think it's interesting it that like it happens every time. I don't think it's interesting that they keep casting these people who like up oh, turns out in 2012 he tweeted the n word 19 times. It's like no shit. Get him off the show. Well, Don't like, put him on to begin with. It's like Bravo has the same problem too. Oh, like yeah. why are they not like I do that with like people I interview for a one-off daily story. Totally. Why would you not go check on their social media? Like 
how did that happen? Yeah. Like with like three people on the last season of I Vanderpump know. Rules. Like, <laughs> I, right. Vanderpump <laughs> Rules was wild. One of those people was my server when I went to Sir, the only restaurant I've been to in LA because everything shut down right after I went. Um, uh, one of the races. Who was it? I think it was Brett. <clears throat> it was Brett. Oh, I, I hated him. It was me and it was me it. and Tracy, uh, Tracy from BuzzFeed, who went. She was in town, oh, and so and funny. we're both big that's Bravo heads. Fun. Yeah, we were both big Bravo heads, and we were like, "Where should we go for dinner?" And we we're like, "Oh, we got to go to Sir." Black jokes on me. I haven't been to a restaurant since. <laughs> My last memory of indoor dining was being at Sir. Um, Steph, before before you go, I have one last question for you. I mean, we'll link to everything, the bike shorts, the leggings, like the good Amazon fashion dupes. And again, remember if you have, uh, if your line leggings from Lululemon have lasted you through seasons of life, we want to know about it. The last question I want before we end the episode is actually regarding the bachelor and the bachelorette. Do you think people actually want to, come on the show and find love or do you think that the biggest the biggest appeal of this franchise is getting to to be part of the pool of rejects and finding your husband or wife or hookup buddy inside bachelor nation um you know bachelor in paradise contestants people who didn't get picked because it seems like they all only marry people who have also experienced being on this show do you think anyone's actually there to to fall in love with the one person that was picked this season or are they hoping that that they will just then become part of the the big family and get to date within that uh you know community i think that the bachelor has a huge problem on their hands because being on the bachelor and getting to a certain week or slash having a certain level of charisma means you basically are set for at least the next couple of years with your career, because it doesn't matter who you are. If you have like 20,000 followers on Instagram, you can make money. So yes, I think that's a huge problem that they also refuse to address that percent right I think 98% of them are going on the show for Instagram followers or to like be in quote-unquote bachelor nation yeah so if that's like fine to spouse through that or I mean a lot of them admit it when they go on bachelor in paradise they're like oh yeah like I've been hoping to meet xyz person this entire right. time I mean that's what that's what Dylan said when he went to go meet Hannah um right they're engaged now right but oh, Dylan and Hannah that's right yeah but the bachelor still acts and I think like when you watch the show knowing that it's okay if not all of them are obsessed with the main character yeah. it, it becomes a lot more like fun and I think like I but I think like some I think some people actually end up falling in love with the person but if you actually read any memoirs about people who have been on the bachelor they basically say it's like kind of like Stockholm syndrome, not like in a, like a really like nice <laughs> yeah, way. I bet. Where like, I don't know. One time I like skimmed Melissa, who's like from a long, long time ago. Melissa, Molly, Jason Mesnick. Yes. Melissa Ryerson. Melissa of, yeah. Yeah. Melissa of Jason Mesnick season. And she, and I think a lot of other people from The Bachelor have like said similar things where it's like, they completely like isolate you. And so you're just in this like pressure cooker where like all you're supposed to do is think about this person. So a lot of people come out of it and they're like, wait, I didn't even really like them that yeah, much. I don't I even just, know like, them. Right. Yeah. I was just like kind of brainwashed and like caught up in the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and so I think that happens too. Are, um, are but yeah. Any, I, are there any bachelorette memoirs or bachelor memoirs that are cut above the rest? Like if you were going to read one bachelor, if you were going to recommend one bachelor nation e memoir written by a contestant, no, I'm not talking about um, like anything that's like about the show in general. Is there anyone that's good? You know, I think I've only actually read that one. <laughs> I have skimmed. No, that's not true. I've read both of Andy Dorfman's book. Okay. Um, I I wouldn't really recommend them. No offense, Andy. <laughs> um, I love it. Okay. That's fine. That's perfect. I actually did kind of like Melissa's. I have not read this one, but I've heard Courtney Robertson's is great. Okay. I mean, I don't mind those books. I, I mean, I have my own problem with Bachelorette books, but I think they're actually kind of fun audiobooks. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. It's like listening to a long podcast, you know? It doesn't require a lot of, like, brain work either. Um but I, I mean, opposite of recommend Colton's. The, 
You would or you wouldn't? I I opposite of recommend. Colton. Oh, you opposite of recommend Colton's. Okay, good to know. I hate him. <laughs> Steph, I'm so like, happy. Wait, no, tell me. Tell me your thoughts. He's a psychopath. Ugh, yeah, no, I remember we, we talked about a little bit briefly, I think, on Twitter about like, I mean, this is like a whole other episode, but just to cap it off, like about how they kind of convince you that really toxic and sort of like emotionally abusive behavior is romance. Um, and and they produce it to look like that. And I think that like, you can learn a lot about that from, um, Colton season for sure. Um, Steph, this was so fun. I'm so happy you came and we will link to everything, but also most importantly, please, um, follow Steph on Instagram. I'll link to her account and, and click on the link tree in her bio. That's how you can get to all of her most recent stories and you can, um, why am I losing subscribe? I was losing language. Subscribe <laughs> to the newsletter and don't subscribe to the LeBrant fam YouTube channel. Just all of yeah. all of our advice in one place. I'm off to order these bike shorts for sure. Um, you guys, you like that. I hope so too. I will report back for, for sure. I will give you all the credit if they end up working for me, but I'm, I'm pretty sure, especially in LA bike shorts are going to be a new normal for me. Um, Everyone, have a very happy holiday. Um, We're not going to see you next week for Christmas. We will see you again on New Year's Day. 2021 is coming. Hopefully it's better than 2020. Steph, talk to you soon, and thanks for coming. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun.